Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You can, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside seat. and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Reeves towards the net. He scores! Ryan Reeves with his third of the season. Rangers lead 1-0. Toronto keeps it away from Stahl. Back out, score! Artemi Panarin ties the game at three. Panarin across for Cup. He scores! Back in his home state. It's an overtime winner for Andrew Cup. 5-4 Rangers! Well, finding a way. It wasn't pretty, but uh, bottom line, you got two big points and we move on. Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage, you just heard a friend of the program, Kenny Albert of the NHL on TNT. And of course, you heard Coach G as well. No guest in today's show. Of course, we'll chat in our weekly spot with the Post, Larry Brooks, and we'll answer post sports plus question PSP questions about the red hot surging New York Rangers. But first, let's welcome in the host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post, fresh off a trip from Detroit. That's Molly Walker and her co-host played for the Rangers and those Detroit Red Wings. That would be number 10. Ron Duguay. Well, hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. And on this Thursday, we have a celebration. We have a birthday celebration. A friend of the show, a friend to many of us, especially Molly, and that's Stan Fissler. Stan Fissler turns 90. Recently, we had him on the show. And my goodness, this man is sharp as a tack. He can tell stories from the 30s, 40s, 50s. And we celebrate his birthday with great joy because we love this man. Also, what we love is these Rangers. These Rangers keep winning. And they beat Pittsburgh on home ice in a way where you kind of looked at it as a possible test to see what it would look like going into the playoffs and something we're going to talk about. Playoff matchup. Do they play Pittsburgh? And if they do, that could be a desired team. But past Pittsburgh, they go into Detroit and they had to come from behind, which we've seen before, and win in 5-4. It was a game where I think the Rangers are learning to play when Shesterkin is not a net. And we're going to discuss today goaltender Georgiev. And I wonder, when I look at the headline this morning, written by Molly, she says, Rangers nip Red Wings in overtime to effing bail out Alexander Georgiev. <sighs> I'm... I say calm this. Calm down, I, calm I, down, I, Ron. Are you good over there, Ron? <laughs> yeah. I'm the doctor it, it's, it's, it's something to talk about. It's frustrating because the deadline has gone by, the trade deadline has gone by, and the Rangers have decided to go with Georgiev. And I have nothing personally against the man. He seems like a good guy, probably a good team guy, but he has struggled. Goals against, over three goals a game, which means every time you go into a game, you're almost behind three goals, and that makes it difficult. And the question is this, what if? The Rangers in the playoffs. They're in the second round, doing well. And Igor, 
happens to go down, gets an injury, and Georgiev has to replace him. What then? That's my big question. That's what I'm concerned about, and that's what I would love to talk about today because it's definitely on my mind after watching last night. A little frustrated. Molly, please help me out. <laughs> let, <laughs> let me let me simmer you down here. Let me simmer you down. I get it. You know, I totally get it. I, I understand the fury. I've seen it on Twitter. I, I get the concern. I really do. That being said, come playoffs, I would be shocked if the Rangers didn't play Shesterkin every single game. No, I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm pretty sure that's obviously happened before. They're going to ride Shesterkin for as long as they possibly can, unless they're in a in a very comfortable spot in the series to, you know, give him a break and, and just throw Gurjev in there. They're going to ride Shesterkin, I think, for every possible game. What I will say, though, there was I was looking up stats last night when it when it was looking like the Rangers might lose. I think it was out of the six games that they've lost in which they've scored three or more goals. Georgiev has over half of them. And that's and that's a tough stat because usually Gallant has talked about it before. You score three goals. Usually that's enough to win the game. But obviously, when Georgiev's given up a couple softies like that, I know the first two in Detroit last night were really bad i'm pretty sure he he tracked that verona goal the entire way it was bad it was really really bad and so uh, before you finish my concern is yes they have to go with sister you always go with your starter in every game but what if he was to get hurt that is he my gets concern hurt, the rangers are out so having said that because there's still time to consider someone else could they possibly bring in kincaid which he's had uh played for the devils he, uh, he's had some uh, experience in net, and I believe that potentially he can be a little better because not only do I see weakness in Georgiev's physical game, goaltending, but the mental aspect of being a goaltender. And, and so that's probably more my concern than anything else. And so why not consider bringing in Kincaid? If you're going to do it, you got to do it now. you got to give him a couple games now. That's what I'm thinking. It's a valid, valid, valid point. 100%. And this is actually a question that a lot of our post sports plus subscribers asked as well is could the Rangers turn to a guy like Keith Kincaid? And in theory, yes, they could. They would have to send Georgiev down to Hartford and he'd have to pass through waivers. I mean, no matter what, it's looking like they're going to lose him for nothing this offseason unless they trade his signing rights because he is an RFA. So, Ideally, I'm sure that's what Drury would like to do is to get at least something in return for him. So for those reasons, I don't think that they would want to send him down to Hartford and guaranteed lose him for nothing because there are teams that would definitely pick him up because everybody knows he needs a change of scenery and, you know, they could want to take a chance on him because in the past he has shown that he has an NHL caliber goalie and he's just kind of in a rut now in New York in this position. But as far as Keith Kincaid goes, he's come up and he's had pretty good games for the Rangers. But I think that they just, from the start, the plan was for Georgiev to be backup. The plan was for him to be the, the number two guy. And I don't think that they're going to stray from that. I don't think that they're going to risk taking a guy like Kincaid, who has played the entire season in Hartford, and throw him into an NHL playoff series. Someone and- call the cops. The Rangers are <laughs> a four-game win streak. And you guys are opening the show. Talking negativity. 
George, let's talk about the win streak, the surging Rangers, 93 points, second in the division. Let's talk positive. I hear you, Jake. I hear you. But I mean, this is what's on everybody's minds. I mean, fans are Rangers first playoff series in since 2017 is coming up. And a lot of people are concerned about the backup goaltending situation. And I get it. But if we're going to talk positives, this Rangers team is learning how to score. I mean, Frank Vitrano just, oh my God, he just can find the back of the net like it's nobody's business. And the way that he's connected with Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad on that top line, it's 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 a recipe for uh, something good, that's for sure. Well, if we want to go positive on this, absolutely. The Rangers have had to learn to play from behind. Yeah. And and find a way to score. And you got to do it in the last four minutes, five minutes. And they've been able to do that. So that's a positive thing. As long as it doesn't let them get down. Because when you come off a big win, like you just finished beating Pittsburgh, there's a certain energy to it going into the dressing room. And then you're ready to step on the ice for the next game. You look behind you. Who's starting? Well, okay, we got to get three tonight, guys. So, I mean, I don't know what it's like in that dressing room because he's a likable guy, right? But there is a there's something that they're learning from that. And um, now, having said that, because we're thinking a playoffs we know the rangers are going to make it in the playoffs and we're thinking what would be a good matchup because we've seen them play against tampa they played well against them they played well against pittsburgh for 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 what you've seen for what you think molly what would be a good matchup for the rangers in the first round i don't even think it matters what we think it is looking like it's going to be a lock for for rangers pittsburgh honestly barring a catastrophic losing streak by either team i mean those two guys are going to be trading second and third. And right now it's just, it's just the Rangers battling for second right now. But I mean, in theory, could they, if, if the Rangers slid down a little bit, I mean, you, that's not really what you want. Cause then you could possibly play the Panthers and, or, I mean, there's a possibility they might meet Toronto in the second round. I mean, it's looking like it's going to be Rangers Pittsburgh. I would be shocked if uh, anything strays from that, but I mean, it, it wouldn't be, the worst thing in the world, especially with the way that the Rangers schedule has panned out, they've seen them so many times in the last handful of games for the regular season. So they're familiar. They are, there's a little bit of bad blood brewing that always adds extra motivation. So I think that, you know, these games, this last one actually wasn't as chippy as, as the first two, which almost makes me think that they're trying to save it a little bit for the playoffs. But I think that no matter what Rangers Pittsburgh first round is going to be epic and could possibly go to seven games. If, if I was a betting woman, I would say that could possibly happen for sure. So correct me if I'm wrong. There's one more game against Pittsburgh. Is it yeah. at home or away? Home. Yeah, at home. So that's that's a game you're going to want to watch and pay attention to because that's that last game is where one team or the other is going to want to make a statement. And they're going to want to win that game going into the playoffs. So that's going to be a tough ticket to buy. And that's one game that I'm going to try to go see myself at the Garden. Molly talking betting on the show. I love it. A new angle. A rare occurrence for me. That's for sure. That place was rocking on Sunday in my pro baby thinking about chicken parm on the Jumbotron. uh, Wait, can we just talk about Jake came up to visit me in the press box and he was like, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I don't know. Surprise me. And I'm thinking he's going to bring me like a hot pretzel or popcorn or something. My guy walks up with meatballs and sauce in a bowl. 
This is <laughs> lava. Don't, don't just call them meatballs. It's one of the most iconic places in the Excuse year. me. And go ahead. Is, you know, Give them the bring, plug. We bring you the best. I mean, it's, you know, the garden is becoming bougie with lava and Tao. They have you get your sashimi, your dumplings. Ron, you haven't been there a while, but they've upgraded the food. So I said, Molly, you're not getting your stupid hot dog and chicken fingers. We're not at a minor league baseball game. We're at the garden. So you're getting meatballs. I, I gave her a choice. The eggplant meatballs. Or regular. I think you went with regular. I went with regular. You like it original, not the I ate the eggplant ones. But it was so fun. I was straight up waiting for like popcorn or something. And he just hands me a bowl of meatballs. And I was like, this is the most you thing that has ever happened. First you get Starburst. Now you get meatballs. I mean, what do I got to bring next? (laughs) You spoil me. You spoil me, Jake. I'm too nice. Well, our listeners spoil us with questions, too. We have a a lot of post sports plus questions that we got to get to now before we get to Larry Brooks, of course. So let's get right into the mailbag now before we get to Larry. Let's start off with Justin Bresner, who said, who's the odd man out when Kako and Rooney come back? Well, right now it's either McKegg or Johnny Brodzinski for sure. They've kind of been going back and forth, but I also think Dryden Hunt might be on the on the chopping block as well. And Ryan Reeves, I think that they're being particular with the games that they put him in for. I think that there are certain matchups that they don't think they necessarily need him for. So I think that, you know, bigger, you know, gun teams, you'll get Ryan Reeves, but it's a possibility that they might fluctuate him in and out of the lineup as well. Next one, quick one for you, Molly, from Steven Palchich. How is Ryan Strom and is he day to day with his injury? He is day to day. He made the trip with the Rangers to Pittsburgh and Detroit. We saw him in the hallway. He was doing his rehab. You know, I think at this point, there's really no reason to rush any of the injuries. They've been doing well without all these guys. So I think that they wanted to give him the trip, but he is day to day. They said that it wasn't serious. Then again, they said the same thing about Capo Caco and it's been what, two, three months now. So you can't really take their word for it, but he should be back sooner rather than later. All right. One of 69 goalie questions. John Logan says the Rangers have to push for second play. Igor home ice will be huge. The garden will be rocking thoughts. By the way, the Rangers are 22, six and three at home. So they've been better at home than on the road. Ron, go ahead. This one's for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm uh, more than anything else. There's a momentum in winning and, and when you're winning, especially you're beating good teams, you want to continue that. And I'm sure the coaches are always considering that when they're deciding to give Igor a day off. Uh, They know more than we possibly do with Igor's condition, his physical condition. It seems like they're protecting him. They're afraid that if he plays too much, there could be a tendency to get hurt. So uh, because of that, then you have to go with your backup. And uh, but if you're trying, if you if you're within 10 games and you can uh, jockey for a different position, uh, sometimes, you know, home ice will make an adva- advantage, but I haven't really seen home ice advantage with the Rangers. I think they play as well on the road as they do at home. And I don't think coaches start to think that way. When you start to calculate where you want to finish, that's where I think you start running into problems. I totally agree. I think that looking back halfway through the last four city road trip, the trend that Gallant had and 
Benny Allaire have have kind of gone with is giving Georgie a game to every two for Shishchurkin. So I think that that's how they'll probably continue until the rest of the season, because like Ron said, you know, Shishchurkin's injury prone and they definitely want to be careful because he's going to get quite the workload come postseason. Ten of the final 14 games are at Madison Square Garden. So the Garden Getting a little sneak preview and Molly loves it. Let's travel for time with <laughs> Mama Walker in New Jersey. All right, let's go away from the goalie questions for now. Let's go to something else. All right. Ronald Duhame and Alan Bosick say, I know that Capococco is on the injured list and is expected to be back soon. My question is, has he been skating and keeping himself in shape? And if so, what is he doing to be in game playing shape when he returns? Well, we don't know specifics about exactly what he's doing, but Gallant has said that both Kevin Rooney and Capocacco are skating by themselves. So that's, you know, that's really all that, that the kind of information that they can give us. Do we even know what his injury is? Is it, is it it's lower? gotta be something with his wrist because he's oh, his been, wrist. Okay. yeah, he's been seen with a cast. We don't even know if he had surgery. Like it's all, it's all very airtight, but he's been seen with a, uh, a cast and a brace on his wrist. Yeah. Let me just comment on that. I, I don't know when this whole hide the injury thing started. Uh, don't even get me started, Ron. Yeah, I know. Because uh, think about it, you know, if a player gets hurt most of the time you'll know what it is but even as a player comes back from an injury it's not like a whole team is sitting there in a dressing room. okay now he hurt his left hand i want to make sure that everybody goes after that left hand or right hope wrist not or, at least yeah. <laughs> well yeah but I, it's not l- listen i played in the worst of times i mean the worst of times and that was never even mentioned okay he's got a bad right knee bad right ankle make sure that you take him out right that was never, never mentioned. So I don't know what happened that we feel like we have to protect these guys so much, like they're going to be guys are going to be going after that body part. It doesn't happen. It's so silly and stupid, especially for yourself, Molly, where you want to just talk about it, chat about it. No, we can't tell you. Anyways, Edward Mitnick and George Jelich want to know when is Braun going to play? Seems like a big waste of a draft pick to be scratched every game. And then following that similar question, Brian Gilroy, Paul Palmer, will the Rangers consider playing Braun on the left side? Some to the first point. Absolutely. If he, if they don't play him, then yes, they just lit that third round pick on fire basically, but that's not, that's not the plan. Gallant said a couple of days ago that he's definitely going to get back in soon. And I do think that they'll experiment with him on the left. I think that they're going to do Braun, Nemeth, and Schneider just on a rotation, just see what works, what doesn't work, you know, just to see what what they have in that bottom pair and, and what works best going forward. But I definitely would expect to see Braun in the lineup sometime soon, for sure. Yeah, and I'm in agreement. I think with Braun, you, you kind of see him as a, uh, a veteran, experienced uh, defenseman. It's not like if you pull him out of the lineup that he's going to be a mess. He knows, he knows his role and he's been, you know, I'm sure he's had a good conversation with the coach and coach is still looking at different situations. If anything, he's resting. He probably doesn't mind and he'll be ready to go and you'll see another game in him once you hit the playoffs and they'll probably start with him because that's one thing. You don't want to just add him to the playoff roster once the seat once the playoffs start. You want to start him off right away. So I'm going to believe he's going to start. And uh, right now they're just resting them and looking at other stuff. As we hit the final month of the season, one month regular season and then the playoffs begin in May. All right, coming up next, Andy Bathgate and John Romano want to know 
why has the Rangers PK, which was really good until a couple, three weeks ago, gone south so totally? You know, I couldn't even put my finger on it, to be quite honest with you, because guys like Tyler Mott in particular have looked awesome on the penalty kill and have been super effective in that role. But I think that they have run into, I mean, aside from the Red Wings, Pittsburgh has an okay power play. I think that they've just run into a couple of hot, hot scorers, especially, and I think they gave up a couple in New Jersey too. And uh, I mean, that team is just scoring a lot of goals right now. So I think I, I wouldn't look too far into it. Maybe they have to clean up a couple of stuff, but I think that they'll be able to turn it around. Yeah. When you look at who, who they have as first killing penalties, they're all pretty good at what they do is that sometimes collectively is how they move on the ice and how they play off each other. You got a few new pieces in there. And sometimes it just needs uh, some adjustment, but there's always another team and other teams are able to score and they all, most teams have good power plays and it's good days, bad days, good bounces, bad bounces. And so again, I think that they're solid, they're hard to play against and they'll be good going to the playoffs. Eric wheel wants to know, feels like true has progressed from underachieving last season is somehow underappreciated this year. He's doing it all on D now thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. <laughs> underappreciated. Definitely not by his teammates or head coach Gerard Gallant. I mean, they they know that they they get the same thing out of him every every game. And I don't know if I mean his first season in New York. Yes, I would say that was a little underwhelming. I think once he got settled last season and kind of stepped into a leadership role too, I think that he really started to find his footing and and you know that translated onto the ice as well. But yeah, this season, I mean, every game, I, I feel like I'm saying to the other writers in the press box up, oh, there goes the Truba train, you know, like it's just, it's an everyday occurrence and, and it's, it's very effective what he does on the ice. You know, I think credit to the coaching staff because he looks like he's having fun. He's a lot more relaxed. He doesn't look so uptight and uh, he started off. He had a good start to the season. That always makes a difference. Uh, he's got uh, good teammates. They're all getting along. And but so generally the, the room is happy. And once he started to be more physical and play with a little more confidence, now you're seeing it in him. Like he's always engaged in, in every play. He's moving up the ice. He's moving the puck. He's hitting, taking the body. He knows he's got backup. So he's just in a good place right now. We're probably seeing him play his best hockey. And I think he's going to be very impactful come the playoffs. A question from Tom Arnold. Hmm, maybe we'll get one from Roseanne next week. What do you think about eliminating the loser's point in overtime and shootout and only awarding one point for a shootout win? Well, first of all, I, I've had enough of the shootout. It's okay sometimes, but I've had enough. I love three on three. Yeah, I mean, I really do. And when I I can remember when it was four on four, then it went to shootout and I recommended three on three. Everybody looked at me like I had two heads. I said, no, three on three with skilled players on the ice. And they're going to they're going to look good for about 30 seconds. And then there's going to be guys their legs are going to freeze up and mistakes are going to be made. And it's going to be creative and it's going to be fun and it's going to be a lot of good goaltending. And we've seen all of that. I would love to see more of that versus shootout. As far as the points go, well, I think what the one point has done, it's created more uh, less of a separation between teams. So that's why you see teams battling right to the end because it's so close. And so come January, February, teams are playing hard. So there's no let up in the season. It's like game one. A coach can go in the dressing room and say to this team, game one of the season, listen, this game could be the game that puts us in or out of the playoffs. 
That's how tight it is and how close it is. So every game becomes important. So I don't mind that you have the one point. Uh, you have uh, you share a point in the in the tie, and then you go after the other point in the shootout. But I would love to see them get rid of the shootout. All righty, Michael Road wants to know which playoff team in the East, other than the Rangers, came away from the trade deadline most improved. I think I gotta say Florida with Giroux. Right? With Giroux, yeah, that yeah. that was a huge pickup. I mean, a team that already was super deep and just super good, you know, for lack of better words, to pick up a guy like Claude Giroux is just, I mean, that's a little deadly. It really is. Yeah. Like I, I haven't seen him play, but we know who he is. He's been a good captain. He's going to provide that leadership. He's going to play hard. He's going to play tough. He knows uh, how to go against up against the skilled players on the other team. You know, we've seen him go against uh, Crosby, how hard he would play him. He's going to do the same thing. And that that's just providing leadership, knowing that you got to go in the playoffs. You have to go after those skilled players. You can't just be soft on them. No, I also think the Bruins are kind of a dark horse, too. I think uh, Lindholm was a really good pickup for them. And they had such a funny TikTok <laughs> the other day. It was like Brad Martian and Lindholm. And it was like, the, are you new here? <laughs> it was great. Didn't see it. <laughs> we'll get you on TikTok, Ron. Yeah. Last question. And speaking of social media, it comes from uh, the Podfather, aka the King of Astoria. He wants to know how did Ron swoon his current girlfriend, Sarah? What was the approach? Was it sliding in the DMs? How did the meeting go? And we want to know what the first date was. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you the short version. It, with social media nowadays, it, this is way too easy to be able to reach out to someone. If you want to meet someone, to reach out to someone, and that's what I, essentially what I did. I just reached out to her, said hi. She, we said hi back and uh we we chatted for a while next thing you know the one thing that we like in common it was hockey and we met at a hockey game and because of that i introduced uh, my friend uh, tequila and from there it was all uphill a dm and some tequila could bring you nice thing magic combo so there's the story behind it all right that's enough questions for now let's ask some questions to our hockey insider larry brooks next on up in the blue seats Six shekels and you can do what you want with it. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three <laughs> straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> Okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, like guys were walking around in their bathrobes, like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in the great Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and in the New York Post and at NYPost.com and in Post Sports Plus. Larry, we got a lot of Post Sports Plus questions today, and there was one that stuck out to me that I felt would be best suited for you. It's from Robert Hanley, and this I'm just going to read it. 
Peaking down the road to 2022-23, the Rangers will have 50 million tied up in six contracts, Truba, Panarin, Kreider, Fox, Mika, and Igor, and add to that 3 million in dead cap. This does not even include Goudreau, Philip Heedle, Ryan Lindgren. So with the big six, the dead space, a flat cap, we will have less than 30 million for a goalie, nine forwards, four defensemen for 2022-23. Assuming most of the big six are either untouchable or have no move clauses, how can we build a complete team that can compete for the cup for the foreseeable future? Miller and Lafreniere will be due for big raises, assuming their upward trajectories continue. Something has to give with the top six cap eaters or the Rangers will regress over the next few years. Your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've been talking about this, honestly, for over a year. And this neatly encapsulates the um, horizon for the Rangers, where every decision they make going forward is going to need to be a dollar in, dollar out kind of decision. There's no question about it. And, and the critical part that, that was alluded to also is the fact that in two years, Miller and Lafreniere are going to be up for second contracts. And I think at this point, you're looking at a minimum of $10 million dollars between them. So the Rangers are, are going to be so squeezed that A, they're not going to be able to afford a mistake. And B, it's going to be imperative for guys on entry-level contracts to perform well. I think I think next year is probably too soon for Othman and, and Cooley. I, I hope the Rangers don't rush them. But in two years, one or both, you know, the Rangers are going to need them to be major contributors. If Kravtsov somehow winds up back in a Ranger uniform, he'll still be on his entry-level contract. So they would need production from him. But that's absolutely right. And, and that was one of the reasons I think that people looked at this year with all of the cap space and were suggesting that maybe this is the year that that jury should have gone for it because they're not going to ever, you know, they're not going to be in this position again. I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday. And I said, well, the, the problem was about, you know, going all in this year is that there wasn't necessarily a player out there who was worth going all in for. I mean, you know, what's, what's the definition of that? I think JT Miller talked about it for months was a great fit, but it's not, it's not as if JT Miller would have guaranteed the Rangers winning an extra eight playoff games. So what, you know, so who are they going to give up to go all in? But no, this this is the issue. How is Chris Jury going to be able to maneuver over the next two years when they have the second contracts coming up, when they have to deal with CACO next year, when they're going to have to deal with the second line center next year? And so that's why I think that the negotiation for Ryan Strom or whoever the second line center is going to be is going to be very difficult because it's not as if the Rangers can certainly can can simply say, yeah, you know what, we'll give you an extra 300,000 just to get this done. They are not going to be in that kind of a spot. So, okay, uh, Larry, I'm just thinking of a hypothetical right now because I, you know, I've been around you for a long time. I read about what you talk about. I know you know the game, this hypothetical question for you. You've been around some really good managers. Have you ever thought of for yourself, because you know the technical part of putting a team together, you ever thought of yourself wanting to be a manager in the National Hockey League? 
Yeah, about 20 years ago, I think. No, really. I mean, you know, I, th- I think when I, you know, when, when there still was time for me to make kind of a career move, maybe. Actually, when I worked for the Devils, I, I thought I was on that track for a while, which was which was really a lot of fun for me. But that was in the, in the 80s. But I think over the last, first of all, I know how much I don't know. You know, I mean, the more you know, the more you hopefully learn how much you don't know. And I and as much as I think I know about what it takes to run a hockey team, I also know how much I don't know about it. I'm also at, at you know, kind of stage in my life where I'm probably not going to be working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the way GMs now have to work. It's it's um, it's an incredibly stressful job. So it's very flattering that, that you would even you know, bring this up to me. It, it honestly, it is. But um, at this point, I think it's, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at this point, I think. Well, you're very good at what you do. Exactly. <laughs> on behalf of all readers and myself included, very happy you stayed on the, on the path that you're on. Oh, thank you. um, I wanted to ask you about Barkley Goudreau. Obviously, he's a player that Gallant has plugged on every single line so far this season. I personally think that the Rangers would be at their best if he could fit into either the middle or the wing of the third line. I'm just curious your thoughts on where you think that he fits best in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think with the additions of, of uh, well, I think with the addition of Cop and Vitrano, but Cop, Cop we know is a legit top six guy. Um, whether he's in the middle or playing on the wing, he's, he's a legitimate top six guy. Vitrano, I think, you know, we're not quite sure he's a top nine guy and Goodrow can play anywhere. But I agree. I, I, I think that we've seen both Heedle and Lafreniere play with a lot more confidence the last couple of weeks. Um, Heedle's game is is elevated. He's probably playing his best hockey of the year. And I think Lafreniere probably is, too. And I, I think Goodrow on that line gives it a little bit of balance, gives it a little bit of maturity, gives it a guy who you know is very good away from the puck on the defensive side, and he can also take the face-offs on that line. So you're not, you're not exposing Philip Heedle to that. So I agree with you. I, I think right now a healthy team, Goodrow's fit, is best on the third line. I think, I think if you have a team where Barkley Goodrow's playing on the fourth line, then you're a, a really a big-time team. I just don't think he gets he would get enough minutes playing on the fourth line of, of, of this team. But Gallant's going to have a, a, a I mean, these are it's better to have more players available than not enough players available. But Gallant's going to have a really tough job when Kako comes back and Rooney. He's you know, there if everyone's healthy, this is a coach who's going to have to sit out seven healthy players a night. They're going to have plus seven now. Maybe everyone won't be healthy at the same time. You know, I, you know, there are, you know, there are a lot of situations over the years, a lot of scenarios where you'd look at it and say, well, you've got nine defensemen. What are you going to do? And then there are four injuries and you don't have enough. This is all speculation. But if the Rangers are a healthy team and you've got seven healthy scratches a night to make, it puts a lot of stress on the coaching staff. It does. It puts a lot of stress on guys who have played a lot of games this year and are suddenly being healthy scratched every night. You know, it's hard. But I do think it allows for a lot of experimentation with this team. And it gives them a lot of different looks. You know, they they can go with speed up top. They can go with size up top if they want. But it's going to be a real challenge for Gallant, too, down the stretch. Yeah, Larry, uh, part of what's happening, and I'm agreeing 
with you that Tito's playing his best hockey, Lafreniere's playing his best hockey, and that's what's going to make it more difficult in making choices. Another player that is standing out to me that I think is playing his best hockey, if you're in agreement, and that's Keandre Miller. I mean, I, I think I think Keandre's game, you know, is is improving by leaps and bounds. I mean, I, I just think I see him from probably ha- having made the biggest leap from say October, November until now. And I think there are a lot of nights right now where the Miller-Truba pair is their first pair. They're getting the top line matchup where Lindgren Fox may be getting the second line matchup, but they're, uh, they have been more effective than Lindgren and Fox uh, over the last month or so. Uh, Miller Miller's, you know, offensive game is, is improving, but as much as his offensive game is improving, his defensive reads are improving too. And, you know, I, I think that's that, you know, that's the critical area for him. And I think the critical area for the team as, as they go into the playoffs, their their reads, their defensive zone coverage. That's where Andre Miller has needed to improve. And that's where he has improved. And again, it, it's been a big time season from Truba. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think Jacob had a really good training camp and maybe his first week was a little bit wobbly. But, you know, he has been as consistent as any player on the team since since uh, since, say, game four of the season. Well, Larry, this was great as always. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Wait a minute, Ronnie. Wait a minute. Yeah, I, you you failed me. All right, gang, that'll wrap up episode 82, the Martin Straka edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. And thank you, Jake, for producing the show, along with Andrew Hartz. Another wonderful show. Love talking with Larry and all our questions from the audience. Andrew Hartz got his drumsticks last week. So next week, Andrew will bring out the drums himself and uh, maybe we'll, we'll pick a song. Rob, do you have a song request for next week that you want Andrew to practice on? Well, I'm a big fan of Led Zeppelin. Giddy up. Hartz, you got that in your arsenal? I got some bonzo in me. I can definitely make that happen for you, Ronnie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Well, I wish we can join in with something, make some sort of contribution. I play the harmonica a little bit. As you say, Other count than me that, on the tambourines. I played the clarinet. Clarinet back in the day. Wow, we got a Did whole band. Did you really? I played the clarinet too. That's why we get along. Look at I, us. <laughs> I was uh, the one man playing the clarinet. And I was going to say. Well, I did two years of marching band. I switched to tenor sax and I could not do the notes and remember the steps because this was you intense. You were 1000% part of the sexually active band geeks in high no. school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I wasn't. I didn't kiss a girl until college. I was a late bloomer. I did not make out with a girl, kiss a that, girl that, that's like the stereotype of, of kids in band, isn't it? It's like... Yeah, I think band kids are, I guess, extra horny, maybe. I don't know. Awful dad joke. <laughs> this is a uh, dad joke loading. I'll give you one dad joke for the day. Why couldn't Dairy Queen get pregnant? Oh, why? She was married to Mr. Softy. There you go. Oh, nice. Well, this was not the PG-13 version of the end of Up in the Blue Seats, that's for sure. We're giving people a reason to stay now. We're taking it after hours. It's the after hours segment, talking about horny band geeks. Make sure you subscribe to Up in the Blue Seats to get more content like this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. You get Amazing But True, too. Me and uh, Nelson Figueroa, if you want to hear some Mets talk. Oh, stop plugging your other shows. Listen, it's a pretty damn good show. Hearts can attest to it. It's 
he uh, works on that show as well. Yeah, for, yeah, whatever. When whatever. are we getting our own T-shirts? Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, we got to work on that. We got to check the budget. Uh, we got to get a picture. You guys haven't been together. People don't realize Molly has never met Ron in person. So I know. It's until a real that problem. happens, no shirts. So make a meeting. We're not even sure if we're going to want you around. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I go from here? My goodness, I've been sunken down. Well, anyways, for that, that's Ron DeGay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz. I'm Jake Brown. We'll return next Thursday in the month of April, the final week of the season before Molly cancels her Memorial Day weekend trip as the Rangers go on a deep playoff run. Hopefully it's non-refundable. I'm just kidding. Hopefully you get your refund, Molly. Enjoy the next week of Rangers games. And as always, thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats. When was the last time a team won the Stanley Cup without having a captain? The Boston Bruins, you know, before the wheel was invented.